When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at germandonerkebab.com. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily and this is your Tuesday Premier League podcast. It might still be early in the week, but don't let that put you off as there's still plenty to get through on the show today. Now, we're going to be looking backwards at Arsenal's FA Cup win over Portsmouth last night. We're also going to be looking forwards to three more FA Cup fifth round clashes tonight. And we're also going to be taking a deep dive into some very interesting slash absolute nonsense transfer rumours that are doing the rounds over the last 24 to 48 hours. And there's also a big story brewing over at Old Trafford concerning the future of a certain Mr. Paul Pogba. So, plenty to get stuck into on today's show. My name's Fergal Brennan, and in the studio today, we have the king of all things social media. That's Marley Anderson. How are Hello. you, Marley? Yeah, good. Not bad. How are you? Great, great stuff. Good and good. we've also got Manchester United fan and king of the chicken wing, Joe McGrath. Yes, please. That's how I like to be, uh, king to of be the brought wing. into all of my chats. King of the wing. King I'm of the very wing. well, thank you very much. I'd, I'd have a wing <laughs> now. Oh, no, it's just gone 11 o'clock in the morning. I'd have a chicken wing now. It's yeah. never too early. Never. A breakfast wing. <gasps> Reminds me of that brunch wing. wrestling with the king of the ring. Oh, uh, great. That was, that was, that was good, that. that. King of the ring. It was like Jonathan great. Ross was introduced, like king of the wing. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Ross and Joe McGrath. I never thought I'd see them compared yeah, to each other. Right, uh, FA, <laughs> FA Cup action. Portsmouth, unfortunately for Niall, crashing out of the fifth round. But luckily for me, Arsenal marching on through to the quarterfinals. 2-0, fairly straightforward in the end for Arsenal. As you'd expect, you know, with no offence to Mr Niall, 2-0 probably was about fair on the balance of the game. I don't think Arsenal were excellent, but the big talking point at full-time was the kids. The kids being all right. In fact, the kids being better than all right. Arteta went with six players, 20 or under, and they were excellent. Now, 
obviously the big talk around Arsenal in the last few weeks has been how well Arteta's done in terms of getting the togetherness back in the side and getting everyone pulling in the same direction. I've said a few times the issue's been the senior players not pulling in the right direction. Given the performance of these kids, for want of a better word, last night, is that the way for Arteta to go between now and the end of the season and look to just say, we're still in the race for Europa, we're still in the FA Cup, give these kids a bit more of a chance? Um, possibly. I think the um, <clears throat> the way, looking at it, when Arsenal set up in midweek and the, they're in the Europa League, or they were in the Europa League, and then in the FA Cup, in the, the, Carling, or the Carabao Cup or whatever, they, with this sort of new lineup with like Martinelli and Inketia starting I know they've they've kind of got in the league team a little bit now as well um the likes of Saka Martinez all these kind of players it just seems to give Arsenal a little bit more freedom and a little bit more sort of to prove like we we spoke on the podcast last uh, last week about how Ozil might fancy it and he might not the thing you get from from kids who aren't established first team regulars is probably that hunger to prove themselves so you, they're not going to go missing they might not be quite good enough in in some in some circumstances however you will get 100% from them so you'll find out what they're all about very quickly and you look at the likes of Saka this season is is almost pretty much Arsenal's first choice left back at the minute with Tierney just coming back from injury and Kolasinac injured as well he's forced himself into a position there where he's I think he's got like 9 or 10 assists this season yeah. or something like that more assists than anyone else has managed in a whole season I think wow. for 8 years oh, there you go like, that just shows you everything doesn't it um then obviously Martinelli's made a great start to life and uh, Arteta seems to really like Eddie Nketiah as well, who seems like a genuine sort of like proper goal scorer type, proper poacher kind of striker. Um, so I think things are looking good for Arsenal, but whether they need, whether they can rely on these kids in terms of like a longer term period, I'm not, not that sure, but the proof's going to be in the pudding. Like historically, Arsenal have promoted youth very well. You look at likes of Bellerin, coming through Aaron Ramsey signed from Cardiff as a 16 year old or whatever he did um, that's where Arsenal have been good over the years so they've got a good track record of it so I don't see why they can't go on and do it again Yeah one of the things that's been brought up about Arsenal in recent seasons is they haven't really got the belly for the fight and they don't really have any leaders on the pitch one of the best moments from last night was Matteo Guendouzi got a yellow card for sarcastically taking a free kick now Joe you know as well as anybody Mike Dean loves to make himself the centre of attention uh, at any possible opportunity someone like Guendouzi he's for for want of a better word he's showing that kind of shithouse attitude that you need particularly in midfield where he'll put a foot in he'll he'll win a free he'll lose well he'll win a free kick or he'll give away a free kick to disrupt a team and and look to drive them on against a team like Portsmouth who are two divisions below Arsenal that are going to look to try and rough them up particularly when you've got a few kids in there someone like Guendouzi do you see him as being I'm not going to say necessarily captain material in the short term, but the way that he plays, Arsenal needs someone like that. Yeah, well, they can't just roll over. Gwendouzi uh, could be someone, that, like you say, a, a really good asset to Arsenal. In the future, you've got a, a moment where Arsenal have just become, not, I'd say, a laughing stock. We all like to laugh as a United fan, maybe. But they've become a team that you could quite easily just roll over and maybe get the better of time, from time to time. If you've got someone who, who's got a bit of bite in them, and that's the key element for me. Uh, I, I love biting football. I love a bit of grit. I love the determination, passion. If you've got that in a player, 
player, you better use it until you're back to the top. He might not be the best, you might not be the captain, he might not be someone that uh, will play in week in, week out. But when you need it, and especially against Portsmouth, if anything happened in that game, if they got to the second half when it was still nil-nil, if they allowed Portsmouth to even play and have a couple of chances, even to get a goal on to- uh, a goal, then you know Arsenal, the wobbly legs to come in, the the sort of Arteta, you know, is he experienced enough to pull him back for this? That momentum could have shifted, and Portsmouth could have even you know got on to win the win the tie. It didn't. They got the goals in, and they had that bite in them. And Arsenal moving forward now, yeah. Just uh, speaking of what we were saying earlier, just let these kids just do what they want to do. The Arsenal have got a season now where the you know the, the expectations aren't really there for them. So why not create your own and why not go out and just see what happens? Just see what happens in the FA Cup. Okay, moving on to tonight's game. Obviously, the big attention, no offence, Marley, we'll come to Newcastle in a second, <laughs> is uh, Chelsea against Liverpool. Now, Liverpool's wobble at the weekend, losing the Premier League unbeaten record is is well publicised. How do you see this one going, Joe? In terms of, this is this is the kind of most high-profile game, as I say, for, at, at this stage. Are Liverpool going to be a bit of a wounded animal coming into this? Jurgen Klopp said that he's going to pick a much stronger side than the team that beat Shrewsbury in the previous round. We can expect probably seven to eight absolute first teamers that are going to come in against Chelsea. Chelsea, no Abraham, no Christian Pulisic, no N'Golo Kante to stiffen up that midfield. Do you think Liverpool have got their eye kind of on something else, got their eye on the Champions League? Or do you think Klopp's railed into them in the last week and said you need to get your heads right and there's the perfect chance to do it. Yeah, I think Liverpool will, will actually look now and now that Invincible season has gone from them, they'll look at the, what has just been staring them in the face for a long period of time and that's the fact that they could potentially win all three trophies. I think the, the you know even when they took the, the winter break and they took the first team away from the FA Cup and allowed youth to go and play the under-23s and even Jurgen Klopp wasn't even in attendance, that just showed you how serious they were taking the Premier yeah. League and how much they wanted this in unbeatable season even though they, they said they don't they did they wanted it they still got a Champions League uh, tied to overturn with a 1-0 uh, going into Anfield so th- th- what is staring them in the face is they are a, a really good team when they got beat on the weekend yes we can all laugh at that but th- what's they're so far ahead that that's the only thing that other football teams can sort of grasp at is the fact that they got beat. <laughs> yeah. What they've got a champion, they've got a Champions League game that we've seen them, we've seen them turn over a three nil deficit at Anfield before against Barcelona. The, the Athletic Madrid game could be in the bag for them. They can beat Chelsea and get through to the next round, and the, the Premier League is theirs, isn't it? So what's staring Klopp in the face? has to be is the fact that they can go on and really do damage in these two other trophies the FA Cup they were a bit blase about I'd love them to get knocked out bites them in the arse for not taking it seriously in the fourth round but I just think they'll roll over Chelsea tonight Marley, if there's one thing that Chelsea fans would be looking at and giving them a bit of confidence in this game, it's not their recent form, obviously. It's the record in the FA Cup in the last few seasons. When you compare them against Liverpool, Liverpool haven't got past this stage in the last four seasons, whereas Chelsea have got past it three times in the last four, including one time winning it. So, in terms of recent pedigree in the competition, Chelsea are by far and away favourites in this. I tell you what Joe's saying, that Klopp will be looking to get the, get the team to refocus. But Chelsea will be no pushover here and Lampard's under pressure in this competition to to push on. He knows he's not going to win the Premier League. It's very, very unlikely they're going to win anything in Europe. This could be an opportunity for him to get his hands on a trophy at his first season and probably safeguard his future at least into the next campaign. Yeah, I think it's a <clears throat> it's a big game for, for Chelsea because as you said, like they're sort of they're in the fight for, for fourth or fifth or whatever that sort of Royal Rumble is in the middle of the 
sort of halfway four, down four the top if. half. Yeah, fourth, fifth, whatever's going to be good enough for the Champions <laughs> League. They don't know what's going on there. So I think it's a, a welcome distraction for Chelsea. I think um, a good cup run. I think Lampard, you know, he, he won it as a player. I think he'll know that it's a big boost for for the team. Um, as well, Chelsea aren't in the best form right now. So it'll be another chance to just test themselves against the top side and see exactly where they are because as Joe said um, Liverpool are by far and away the best team in in the country or have been since you know, the first whistle went on the first day back in August so to everyone else they're a measuring stick they're a yardstick to see how good are we compared to them because we need to be at least like 70% of, as good as them if we're going to be good enough for the Champions League like we need to lay a glove on them kind of thing and I think that a cup run would be so good for Lampard in his in his first season, like to get to the semis or to get even even all the way to the final, and knocking out Liverpool would probably make them favourites for the competition. Them and Man City, then you're looking at they're the, they're the probable probable winners of it because you look at who else is left in it, and then you you don't really fancy them as much. And I just think Chelsea have have the talent. And on the day, they're very, very good, and they just needed enough of those tears to navigate through a cup run. Okay, so Joe, you're going for Liverpool win. I'm going to go for Liverpool. Yeah. Marley, I, I don't know. Um, oh, I think it's going to be tight. I think Liverpool will rotate a little bit too much, maybe. I'm struggling. I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. <laughs> draw. Uh, Come on, it's a cup game. You got You got to go for it. Um, I'm still going to go Liverpool narrow. Yeah, but I, I think it should be. It should, I mean, it should be a what, good game. It should what be a good would game. Liverpool fans think now if tonight they put out Klopp puts out a half-assed team, a weakened team, maybe full of kids, and they go on and get beat? <laughs> what would Liverpool fans think? Because I'd be fuming. Yeah, and it's not the yeah. way that other clubs, even even Pep Guardiola recently, and even Fergie when we won it all the times. You had to go at everything. I, I, I obviously it's not happened yet, so this is all yeah. just thinking of. But I just don't. I, I'd want Liverpool just to go on, go and have it. But who knows what's going to happen? We can only talk about it again tomorrow. So we're going two wins. I, I'm going to I'm going to make it three out of three. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make a bold prediction. This is going to be the downturn for Chelsea. I think they'll lose tonight. I think they'll drop out of the top four at the end of the season and they won't get Champions League football for uh, 2020-2021. That's uh, that's my prediction. Right. Uh, Reading, Sheffield United, one of the other fifth round ties tonight. Championship side up against the Premier League side. Sheffield United have been fairly cautious in the FA Cup so far. The teams they've picked, Chris Wilder's rotated quite a bit. Obviously, the pro- uh, priority for them is the Premier League, which they're doing brilliantly in at the moment. Uh, Marley, quick mm-hmm. one on this. Do you see there being an upset or do you think Sheffield United should have enough to get into the last eight? Uh, I think they should have enough. Reading are struggling down in 16th in the Championship. They're not, not completely away from the relegation uh, fight there. Um, it's at Reading, so maybe I think they'll have a... It's sort of a one-off for them. They can have a real go at it. And Sheffield United do, um, in the previous rounds, have completely changed the team. They make about eight eight changes on average, I think. Um, so there is a chance for Reading in terms of it isn't going to be the Sheffield United we all have sort of fallen in love with this season of that the same, pretty much the same 11 every week. It's going to be a completely different one. However, in previous rounds, Sheffield United have got it done. They've got the, their second or first and a half team has been good enough to, to get through kind of thing so 
I can't see Sheffield United not winning. But if you're going to knock out a Premier League side, you want one that's not going to play their proper team. Sheffield United got other things going on. Reading have got a genuine sort of one-off shot at them. But I don't think they've got enough. You're going to go with the form book, Joe? Yeah. You're normally a man likes a bit of an upset. Do you see Reading getting one over Sheffield United? Or yeah, do you why think? not? Give it to them. Let's have it. <laughs> Reading in the next round. Sheffield United, the man will be on other things. They're doing incredibly well in the Premier League. They'll be focusing on that. Uh, Reading will come up there. Reading season's going well, but a cup run, a little bit more of a, a, a prospect of, uh, you know, you got to think, you're only two steps away from a Wembley trip, semi-finals these days, which is still shocking, I think. You know, yeah. there's a couple more steps to go and you get yourself to a little uh, Wembley away um, so Reading that's what I'm going to go for not maybe. just because I'm causing balance here but Reading <laughs> maybe a 34 year old Charlie Adam can inspire Reading maybe you know that's, stra- what, that's what my money's on <laughs> stranger things are definitely happening in the FA Cup right speaking of strange things happening in the FA Cup Newcastle are in the fifth round Ooh. now Marley big night for you if Newcastle win this is the first Wait, time. Will you keep your pants on? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully for everybody. Uh, this is the first time in 14 years they'll be in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Quickly, mm. 14 years ago, do you remember what you were doing? Uh, I was 14 years old, so f- no, no idea. <laughs> Probably. Okay. I've no idea. <laughs> this Could is have like been a, anything. Let's move every, on quickly. <laughs> every 14 years, this is going to happen. I can't wait to see what happens in another 14 years' time. Right. So. When I'll be 42 years old. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. Wowzers. Um, how do you see this one going? Away at West Brom, flying high in the Championship. They're pushing for a promotion, but we all know the Championship's a slog. Mm. It's Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Newcastle ridiculous injury crisis they're having at the minute but Steve Bruce has kept things fairly steady you're not getting sucked too deep into relegation trouble as it stands a cup run for Newcastle and for Steve Bruce will be huge Mm. do you think you can get a result down at the Hawthorns tonight? Uh, I think we can um, purely because I've been speaking to Lee this week a West Brom fan who comes on the podcast every every week and he's convinced that the um, the West Brom are going to play their second team they're not that bothered about a cup run they've got obviously the, they're at the top of the championship fighting for the automatic spots with uh, with Leeds and trying to kill off Nottingham Forest and all the, the rest of the chasing pack um, so they're going to start the likes of uh, Gareth McCauley and people like that like older players and Chris Brunt and people who aren't Grady Diane Garner and um, Mateus Pereira yeah. and people like that. So that you'd be worried about if they were coming up against Newcastle. Uh, yeah, hundred percent would be. Um, but on the other hand, Newcastle have, as they have in the previous rounds, are going to play a very strong team. So if we play like we did at the weekend, it wasn't a great game, but we were on the front foot against Burnley. And if anyone was going to win that game, it was probably us. Um, Steve Bruce played a new formation, which was the ingenious, never heard of before, 4-4 King 2. Yep. Um, with Dwight Groundbreaking Gale. Groundbreaking stuff, that. Yeah, never heard of that before. Um, Dwight Gale and Joe Linton played up front together. Um, we looked a better going forwards, which gives me a little bit of confidence ahead of tonight because, obviously, we're going to need, at some point, to score a goal to go through. There's no boring nil-nil draws tonight, so... Um, with a bit of luck, we can get through. Um, the, we're never going to have a, a better shot at getting to the quarterfinals. Like we've had Rochdale and Oldham this uh, 
Yeah, and you sorry, made it, you made it sorry, difficult in them too as well. Rochdale and uh, Oxford, not all of them. Uh, yeah, we've we've made ourselves work. We've played four games in the FA Cup. We've only been through two rounds. <laughs> replay against League One opposition twice. Um, so <laughs> to get to the fifth round and potential place in the quarterfinal to play a Championship side, you can't ask for any more. Usually by this stage, you've got a Premier League team and you've got to knock them out to get through. But you can't ask for any more than. Even a good championship team, You've, you can't ask for a better chance to get through. So, a win. It, it'll be on us. I think. I think we'll win. I don't know why, because we probably won't. But <laughs> yeah, Joe, will you uh, make Marley's week? No, yeah, ring I'm back in Newcastle to do this. You know, 14 years ago, Marley was just a boy. Now he's a man. Now he needs to see Newcastle <laughs> for uh, quarterfinal. I think. Yeah, I think um, Newcastle will do this one. There'll be scenes in my living room if uh, there was. Swinging everywhere in <laughs> as that guy in the last round in the uh, in the Oxford game. I've invited him round. We're going to punch horses and swing, wow. swing things. What a night! Wow. Okay. So right, well, am I. I'm not even watching the game. Uh, if when you finish listening to this podcast, if you want to give Marley a message on Twitter and invite yourself round, it sounds like it's going to be a hell of an evening in his house. Uh, we're going to call it a day there for the first half. We've gone through a huge amount. Marley's become a man. <laughs> Joe's given a ringing endorsement to Newcastle Football Club. I hope we can follow it up in the second half where we're going to be talking about some ridiculous transfer rumours that are floating around at the minute, both involving Manchester United and Newcastle. So the lads will have plenty to say about that. And we're also going to be talking Paul Pogba. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces. Sports Social. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Now, don't forget, if you're listening to the show today and you're liking what you hear, hit subscribe and you'll have a fresh episode every single day. We are your go-to source on all things Premier League. Simple as that. Right, transfers. February, silly season. The real transfer rumours are over. January is over. Now we're getting into a situation where people are either just making stuff up or they've got some fantastic inside sources. So mm. we're going to start with a rumour that concerns Manchester United, Joe, and that is Chris Smalling. Now, Smalling has done brilliantly since going on loan to Roma. He's become a regular in their defence, much to the surprise of probably yourself and most Manchester United fans. But... Jose Mourinho at Tottenham, according to reports in The Guardian, is interested in bringing him to the club in the summer to sort out their defensive issues. I don't really know where to start with this one. I think he'd be a good get for, for Mourinho. I think Chris Smalling is a... Chris Smalling is a good player. He's not a great player, he's a good player. And he fits well in that Serie A team. Um, I can only imagine what wonders he's doing over there. I've just Googled him quickly. He's got two goals and one assist, which is more than Jesse Lingard has picked up in the Premier League uh, for Manchester <laughs> United. He's played one game more, Chris Smalling says it all. Uh, he's a good player, he's quite a solid... Um, uh, and what what he comes with him now, Chris Mullen, is the the fact that he's been through quite a lot. You know, he's thirty years old. He's got a lot of years experience on him. He's travelled a bit now because he's obviously gone over to to play uh, in Italy. So bringing him back to the Premier League, he'll, he'll want to return. I think uh, United. Uh, do we want him? What with Bay doing quite well, Lindelof is okay. You got Maguire. I don't think his place is really going to be in a chopping changing team. I don't think he'll want that. I think he'll want first team football. You know, he's got a couple of years left in him. Uh, you know, three or four years. He wants to go out on a high. He doesn't want to be sitting on the bench. Tottenham calling under Mourinho. Who knows what his plans are for next season? I think it'll be a good get. And I don't think United will uh, batter an eyelid letting him go. I think we'll just say goodbye. Although he has done quite well. 
Marley, would you agree with that? Given who Tottenham have got at the back at the minute, Toby Aldebaro signed a new contract. They've got Jan Vertonghen. Davinson mm. Sanchez is good, albeit a little bit inconsistent. Do you think Smalling would slot into that team? Do you think he'd improve the team? Um, to be fair, th- those three names you mentioned, Sanchez, Alderweireld and Vertonghen, all, all on their best days, they're all better than Chris Smalling. They are. He's good though, Chris Smalling. He's not as good as Vertonghen. No, prime Vertonghen in his best form and Alderweireld, the two of the best centre-backs in the league. So it's clear that Mourinho, I don't think these rumours have come from nowhere. I think it's interesting that the, he left the pair of them out at the weekend and then these rumours have come up like, oh, who can we, you know, who's who's out there that might want to come back to have a fresh challenge? And Chris Morland ticks all them boxes in, from a media a journalist point of view, stirring the, stirring the pot kind of thing. But Smalling's done really well in Italy. Um, for me, if I was him and I was playing for Roma, I just think that's, that's an attractive club to be at. Like they're in the Champions League pretty much every year. They're doing well in Italy. I mean, they're not title challenging, but neither are Spurs, neither are Man United. So, in terms of like um, possibilities, things you can win, it's kind of the same. Um, the weather's better in Rome. You ever been to Rome? It's bloody lovely over there. It's better than I imagine. It's probably a bit. It's a little bit better than than Manchester this time of year and North London as well. So, I just think he's found a place where he's he's reignited his career. And fair play to him. He's doing he's doing really well. He's learning the language. He's learning the style of football. He's slotted in really nicely. He's playing first team football. That's all he wants. I don't think if if Roma were willing to pay for him, I don't see why he would come back. I don't really think he's got that much to come back unless he's just more settled in England and he fancies you know settling down in terms of family life and not shifting everything out there but he's done so well over the last year that I, I don't really see the, the, the lure in coming back really uh, The other big story doing the rounds which you're not going to like Marley if it turns out to be true coming from the Daily Mail around Alan Saint-Maximin beloved player of yours apparently there's been a bit of a bust up with Steve Bruce in training uh, Steve Bruce has told the media he's got a hamstring injury that, that's why he didn't play against Burnley at the weekend but according to this report they've had words over his performances in training and his attitude and Crystal Palace and Wolves are sniffing about are you worried? Um, a little bit but it's the male <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, so basically, like the the baggage that Alan Maximan comes with is um, he does well for six months, and then he he tends to get a little bit petulant. He has he's done that at his previous club. That's why Nice were happy to to let him go. We done well to get in and sign him. A bit of a maverick player um, needs a bit of coaching. Needs a bit of love from the coach in terms of like managing him and his personality. Uh, well, everyone knows he's got the talent. Like you see the kid play, he's just—he's unbelievable. What he can do with the ball, his ability to unlock teams, and he's—he's he's a real asset when he's on his game. But you've got to keep him, keep him happy. Uh, and this, I think it's Craig Hope in the um, in the mail has said that in training his head's gone down a little bit. He's—he's he's not quite putting it in. And play, players do that though. Like not. Every player gives 100% of their ability in every training session. You've just got to trust on a match day when the whistle goes that they're going to be on it. And there's been no performances this season where he hasn't looked like he's trying. He's tried 
if anything, he's tried too hard at times because he's run himself into the ground. He's had a couple of hamstring injuries and that's come from playing when he's not 100% fit, which is half down to him and half down to uh, the poor management of, of Steve Bruce. Um, but other things come out in this Mill report about the the players feel like there's that they're better than Steve Bruce has given them credit for. Um, and in previous year, uh, sort of press conferences, he said that basically the team's only good enough to play with the back five because they're not good enough at going forwards and, and scoring goals. Where and if you if you were part of that team, you can understand that. Like you can understand why players might be annoyed at that because he's basically saying, "Well, I tried a four at the back and we got beat." so I've tried a five at the back because we're rubbish at going forwards like that's not going to instill any confidence into your forwards Alan Maximan's one of them forwards so if somebody if everyone takes it bad some people take it on the chin they've got a bit of a thicker skin but St Maximan's probably thinking if this report is true like I'm trying my hardest here you're playing a back five and relying on me and I can't do it and now you're saying that we can't score goals because I'm like a way crap and it's like you can understand where the frustration comes from if if that's where it if that's if this is all true this is probably where it's come from because you're relying on two guys to score a goal when you've got a you've got six guys in the team purely to defend and that's that's always going to be a problem and that's down to Steve Bruce to change that and to prove that he's good enough to put our best players in a position where we can go and score goals and beat teams and not sit you know sit in and try and soak up pressure before hitting on the counter-attack, which only works one in every sort of ten times. Joe, given the two teams that are being linked with a possible move for St Maximin, I'm going to ask you individually on them. Wolves, straight question, does he get in the Wolves team? Um, I think if Wolves buy him, then the Wolves will put him in the first team. I don't think Wolves will be out there at the minute looking for someone who's just going to... They want they want players to make their team better. They don't want squad players at the minute. They're going to see uh, they've got ambitious owners. They're going to see how well they've done this season. So if they go in for him, I think he will be a, a first teamer. That all depends on if he go if they go in for him or not. They're going to want to strengthen their squad to make their season better. They're going to see the fact that they were so close that oh they can even be you know Europa League places. God, you know, could be Champions League, who knows? <laughs> but you know, they're going to see how far they've got, and they're going to see that if they have um, quality players in their side, then they can go forward and, uh, and press harder next season. So if they go for him, they'll put him in the f- first team, I think. And for Crystal Palace, unless they sell Zaha, do you see him getting in that team? Do you think the possible links with Palace are based on? they're bracing themselves for a big money bid yeah. for Zaha this I th- summer. I think that's what they do. The Zaha will move uh, away this summer because it's really coming to a time for Zaha as well where he's got to look at where else is, is his career. He needs to make the, the money, big money move now or it might not ever happen. If he doesn't look to another club or even push forward... Crystal Palace will always be that team for the foreseeable future that are just in the bottom half of the table. There is another level to his game, you know, that's the reason why he was one of Fergie's last ever signings. Something just didn't work out there with with Moyes. Let's see what he can do in, in, in another team that loves to attack, gets forward. That will then make way for Crystal Palace to make the uh, the, the buy. For Sam Maxwell. Maxwell. Uh, he'd, he'd cost so much as well. He, 20 million we signed him for. We put him on a six year contract. How much do you think he'll go for? 50 mil? I don't know. <laughs> it depends on our. On our we, we've not got a need to sell in terms of his contract. So the price would be as high as it was when we bought him, at least. 
Um, our board are pretty stringent in the way they do things, so they'd probably want thirty-five million for him, like easily. So, mm. our Crystal Palace could they afford that? No, not without selling Zaha. Do they want to sell Zaha? They'd probably try and yeah, yes, most Palace fans would probably still take Zaha over a new player. They all want to keep him, um, but he'd walk into that team like easily. And Crystal Palace haven't got a great team at all, but. St Maximan would make it better. Imagine Zaha and St Maximan on the wings. I mean, that'd be that might be too much for Roy Hodgson. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd, you'd have a bloody heart attack on them <laughs> watching the pair of them run down the wings. Guys. That might be too much excitement for for old Roy. Um, Joe, the other big story, which is Manchester United connected today, is from ESPN about Paul Pogba. Yeah. According to club sources in the ESPN report, Paul Pogba is determined to get himself back fit and back in the United team so he can form a new partnership with Bruno Fernandes. According to the report, he cannot wait to start working with the Portuguese international and is confident they will be a success. What do you make of this? Uh, Paul Pogba has been, uh, you know, such a, a difficult thing for United fans to to deal with. You know, when he's on the pitch, he, he sometimes is a good player, but we've just shown what quality looks like in terms of what we've seen from Bruno Fernandes in his first opening games at the club he's shown more in these opening games than I've particularly seen from Pogba over the last couple of seasons Pogba's had his moments he's had the Etihad turnaround where we won 3-2 he's had the, the starring roles in some Champions League nights but has he been great no, he's been okay. Uh, a lot of his goals that big up his stats even more from penalties, um, which, uh, you know, again, you take that with a pinch of salt. What Bruno Fernandes has done, he's come in and he's shown how to assist, he's shown how to test goalkeepers and and how to get the best out of the players around him. Pogba, you know, even though these are his so-called friends, used to work in the front four of Martial and Rashford and Lingard, he, you know, where, where was the spark, the, the, the actual... The, the, the free-flowing football that we expected, it just never was there. And that could have been because it was under Mourinho. But under Oli, we've barely seen much from him. This season has been non-existent. If he comes back into the squad, he'll work with Fernandes. It'd be great to see what them two look like together. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. But, you know, if he becomes a headache again, he doesn't get in my United team and he gets gone. He gets sold because he's just... He's just causing everyone a pain in the ass, and he, he he's the headline maker. You know, United. We're all talking about him now. For instance, we're not talking about how well Bruno Fernandez. And we probably did actually in another podcast, but how well Bruno Fernandez did on the weekend. He's a trouble causer. His agents are trouble causer. He's just you know he's just paying the backside. Let's get some money for him. Let's get rid of him. But. Let's see if him and Bruno Fernandes can work well together because obviously I'll be absolutely buzzing. I, though, will be apprehensive going into next season. The rumours will start again. There'll be a falling out. The agent will start tweeting and then we're back to square one with a trouble causer in the heart of our midfield. Uh, Marty, Mm. Joe makes a good point there in terms of what Fernandes has done for the players around him. Fred has improved. Even Nemanja Matic looks like he's got a bit more of a spring in his step. He was was actually shooting against Everton, which is madness for Nemanja Matic. Oh, good shots as well. He hit the bar and forced a good save from Pickford as well. But given the way that Fernandes, as, as Joe mentioned, is kind of showing Pogba... Look at me, mate. This is how you be an elite player. Doesn't have to be about you or all the excesses that you that you bring towards your game. It's about consistently performing on the pitch. And given the fact that Solskjaer has to have a cohesive unit, he knows that other than Fernandez, the players around him, Tomane, Matic, Fred, they're not superstar names like Fernandez is. Mm. 
is someone like Fernandez far better suited to leading that sort of role than Pogba? Because if Pogba comes back in again, those players are going to be looking around just like they did when he was there when he was there the first time before he got injured and thinking. As Joe said, we're back to square one here. Fernandez was pulling us in the right direction and making us all feel confident and improve. And now he's back in the team again and I'm feeling second rate. That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's one of them where, I mean, they are going to play together, you would assume, at some point before the end of the season because Pogba is a, apparently close to coming back. Um, you would assume that there's going to be at least sort of six to ten games at the end of the season in in all competitions where they are going to get on the pitch together. So I think Pogba on the pitch is a massive asset to any team he's in because when he's on form, he's still one of the best midfielders in the world, like easily. However, it's his attitude. It's what it's we don't see quite what influence he has on other players in terms of what they do on the pitch like we see what he we see the passes he makes we see the runs he makes the how many times he touches the ball and what have you but we don't see what effect that gives on people like Fred and uh, players that can go hot and cold like Fred and Matic and even McTominay to a certain extent but we will see that but between now and the end of the season because they have. To, he has to play. They have, they have to remind potential buyers that he can. He can still play. Um, it might be an issue getting them into the same team because it tends to be a kind of similar, like a similar system. To the system to suit them both doesn't really exist because Pogba plays best in a, a three-man midfield. Bruno Fernandes probably plays best as a number ten. There aren't many formations that can accommodate them to uh, them two positions like comfortably they played a, a strange sort of 4-3-1-2 formation at the weekend where it could work however that leaves you with no wingers that leaves you with a lot a lot of your width coming from your fullbacks in terms of like Wan-Bissaka going forwards isn't the best in terms of crossing and, and dribbling Luke Shaw on the other side as well is a similar similar situation so does that does that formation get the best out of Pogba and Fernandes if they're in the same team probably probably yes but you're sacrificing the, then other parts of your team with that so Solskjaer's got a, a real headache because he, he needs to I think he, I think it seems like he wants he's happy to get rid of Paul Pogba in terms of what he's saying and, and things like that you can sort of read between the lines and think I'd be quite happy if he goes um, but there's no doubt that if they do manage to find a system and a way they can gel together between now and the end of the season, if they start scoring, you know, four or five goals each when they both come back into the team, the question would be there of like, hang on, should we keep the pair of them? Because this is ridiculous. This midfield is very, very good. All of a sudden, they've got two genuine, like, world-class players, and that's better than just having one. So maybe the question's still there: is is there a future? But I think most of the fans, from from the ones you see on on social media. Uh, there's Pogba ringing, ringing Joe now to, uh, <laughs> Joe to complain. Raiola, that's his real name. Yeah, um, there's a real question about it, so we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. But I think most of the fans want Pogba gone, and I think he'll probably be off in the summer. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think Joe's right. If if there's another headache, as as he said, uh, and his agent starts to stick his nose in again, I think Soshkar's mind's probably about ninety percent made up. He just needs he just needs that last little push, and that could well happen in the summer with a with a huge bid. Guys, 
that's all for today thank thanks you very, very much for today. coming in Joe thank you thank you Marley no problem great stuff that I is will. all from Tuesday's Football Social Daily Premier League podcast don't forget hit like hit subscribe and you can get a fresh episode every single day where we'll be talking all things Premier League and you can also keep up to date with your own team simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sport Social follow the instructions and away you go Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces.